Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market Podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. The If You Market Podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Johto PR. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, joined by co-host Carla Jo Helms. Hi, guys. And today we'll be talking with Amanda Nielsen of Formstack about partnerships. Amanda is the Partner Enrollment Manager at Formstack. She also does demand generation, consulting, public speaking, and uh, possibly, most importantly, is a huge dog lover. Amanda, thanks for uh, jumping on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, I'm glad you incorporated that very important tidbit at the end. Definitely yes, a huge very dog important lover. tidbit. <laughs> in, in looking at your profile, I could not miss that, that part. It seemed important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I find a way to incorporate dogs into just about every aspect of my professional life. Fantastic. We'll see um, if there's any way we can make partnerships and dogs merge Yeah, here. can we do that? Uh, <laughs> uh, let's focus on partnerships. So the topic today, partnerships, um, can you kind of, it's a very vague word in that. What do you mean by that? It can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So let's start by nailing down what is meant on this podcast episode when we when we mention business partnerships yeah that's a good question um partnerships is a super broad word uh basically the way i consider partnerships in a professional context is relationships established between businesses or stakeholders for mutual growth um, we see examples of partnerships all the time uh, both B2B, B2C, and everything else. Um, a lot of times we see partnerships that aren't necessarily even labeled as partnerships, um, but really at its root, it's just relationship building and collaboration. Right. So we're not talking about example. like, yeah, we're not we talking about law firms where somebody makes partner <laughs> or something like that. Um, right. Although it may be a form of partnership, we're not going to really be talking today about um, kind of critical partnerships where a business may have several aspects to it uh, and uh, maybe a supply chain type thing where, yes, you have a partnership with uh, your supply chain. And if you didn't have that part of the business, you wouldn't have a business. It's kind of multiple parts that work together. That's more of a critical partnership we're talking more about kind of mutually beneficial partnerships. I Mutual think that, growth. What would be a good right. B2B example of that? Yeah. So when I think of B2B, um, there's two different types of businesses, right? There's services businesses. So agencies, consultants, people who offer something non-tangible. And then there's typically a product. So some sort of commodity, whether it's digital or physical, um, and so those are the primary two different types of business models um, in B2B specifically. And I've found that products work a lot better when you have someone who's an expert dedicated to helping you use it. And on the other hand, uh, paying for services has a higher return when you have the person who's performing that service that's their niche, they're an expert in whatever they're doing for you and they have the adequate tools to do so. Um, so to get more specific, uh, what Please. I specialize in particularly is relationships between SaaS companies and agencies and consultants. So the product and then the people who are gonna service that product. Got it. I hear your dog in the background. Yeah, he's shaking, he's got his harness on. I couldn't figure out what the, what that was. I now now you say it's a dog collar. Yep, yep. Um, so we're talking about things like value-added resellers, resellers in general, affiliates, um, things. Or where those you can that help. actually help make sure that people use the SaaS, correct? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. yeah, because Very you nice. could buy you could buy a software as a service and then not utilize it, right? That right. is, yeah, very, okay. very common. So in that value-added reseller part, there's a lot of companies that don't even resell their product. A lot of technology companies maybe that have a bunch of companies distributing, reselling their product because it takes training or something like that, that they're, and, and that's not what they're going to do. And that way they can make partnerships and they can get into places all over the country without having to have all these local shops and stuff. They just find who's the IT resources company locally now let's get them to 
you know, it's, it's making manufacturing a product and getting on someone else's shelves kind of. Yeah, definitely. That's also how I think about it. Um, like you mentioned, you're not going to do both, right? It's really hard to be a product business and a service business. And if you're doing it, you're usually half-assing both. So it's typically better to go all in on one or the other. And that's why it makes so much sense to partner with someone who can either make your product or service more sticky. Excellent. So let's say we have a company and they, they feel like they need to form partnerships, but they don't know how, where should they start? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question too. Um, So (laughs) there isn't really a right place to start, but um, for me in particular, things that are really important to consider when deciding what types of partnerships to pursue are industry, company size, um, whether you're a service or product business, uh, who you already have in your network, who you're looking to reach, um, and then how much time and money do you want to invest? Okay. So Let's say you have, you say, you know, the right industry, you have a handful of companies where you're like, I think these companies would be good partners to resell our product or to, for whatever part of your product it is. Um, Is there a way to reach out to them that doesn't make it seem like you're trying to sell to them? I do this sometimes in my job and I'm like, look, I'm not trying to sell with you. I'm trying to collaborate with you. I'm trying to like, how do you reach Mm -hmm. out to somebody like you that manages partnerships or, or that, that would be the contact you'd need to speak to without them thinking it's a sales pitch and, and not wanting to, to be in touch with you? Yeah, I'd say the best way to ensure that is to not make it a sales pitch um, <laughs> at all, <laughs> rather than try and conceal it. So I guess first, sales kind of ruins stuff. They find anything that's yeah. not a sales pitch that can get them in the door. So they'll be like, hey, I'd like to partner. And then oh, you talk to them and they're the like, time, yeah. so here's how we partner. This is the cost of our product and you buy it. And you're like, oh, yeah. this is a sales pitch. So I think yeah. <laughs> sales will come in and any wording you're going to use to introduce yourself that's not a sales pitch, they end up taking to try to get in the door with and then bait and switch into the sales pitch. Um, yeah, I've definitely gotten booked for many part partnership calls that end up being, <laughs> exactly. I'm, trying, I'm being sold and I like don't realize till halfway through and I'm like, oh. What's great is salespeople also don't want to give you the cost. So they're bait and switching you without even telling you the price on what they're trying to sell you, which which makes it all very frustrating. Yes. When you think you're on a partner call. Okay. So how do you approach them? How do you identify five companies? How would you approach them? Who do you approach? Is there a specific um, department title to approach that would be the right? Because obviously you approach the wrong person and they're, they're not going to be too responsive. And they'll probably think yeah. it's a, it's a, a veiled sales pitch. Have anybody yet? Yeah. Know. So depends on company size. Um, Mid to enterprise level businesses typically have someone who manages um, partnerships. So it might be like a partnerships director or alliances, um, things like that. With a lot smaller companies, sometimes uh, you're dealing with like a ten-person company, and the CEO is going to be the best person to evaluate that kind of partnership. Um, so it's pretty based on company size in terms of outreach. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. I sometimes am super blunt and will put like, not a sales pitch, not trying to sell you something, something kind of funny and cheeky, um, in my subject line or in whatever my LinkedIn message. I would open that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just to be uh, very clear that I'm not like, let's get it out of the anything. game right away. <laughs> right. Yeah. Although again, I see salespeople also saying this isn't a sales call. Come on, you're ruining I just want to see if there's it. a good fit for our companies to maybe do business down the road. This isn't a yeah. sales call. And you're like, Oh yeah, it's a sales call. You bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Usually I say marketing ruins everything today. I'm pointing out how sales ruins everything. Yeah. Sales is sure. part of marketing. So yeah. yeah. So, you st- so you could say not a sales pitch. And then what do you do? Yeah. So I always try and lead with value. Um, it's never a good sales tactic to lead with like what you're going to get out of it. Um, you want to start with something that addresses maybe a pain point or a goal that you know is 
going to be relevant to like that role or that type of company. Um, so leading with that is going to be important for, you know, getting people's attention. And then once you kind of have something to establish like a mutual connection, then you can kind of build rapport. So for example, um, word of mouth is a really good tactic for establishing partnerships. So working in the Salesforce ecosystem specifically, we have a lot of contacts at Salesforce who will uh, recommend different consultants for us to collaborate with. So I can say, hey, you know, X, Y, and Z at Salesforce recommended you. Do you want to get on a call and like discuss this further? Um, so pulling in a real person to connect you, even if it's just you saying that they mentioned you, they don't even have to do like a formal email intro. Um, that can make a world of difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's almost and like so, a legitimate, I guess that's part of why pyramid schemes work. It's everything's a referral, <laughs> not to try to yeah. say these things are similar in any other way, but, um, yeah. <laughs> much more likely if you ran, you if you approach somebody, yeah, you approach somebody at random on the street to join a pyramid screen scheme, it's much less likely to work than, than approaching hey, people Cassidy you know and they told know. Me too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, right. who the hell's that? Okay. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> Another good tactic is to reach out to people who are already using your product. Um, so there's a lot of people who are, especially if you're like a mature business, you have a large customer base looking through that and determining like who might seem like they're a services business. Um, a lot of times you can tell by name um, or discrepancies in product use. So if people from multiple email domains are using your product, um, you know, there's a chance that it's the consultant and their client. Um, so doing research and seeing what you already have and then kind of tapping into that um, group is always very effective because half your job is already done. They're already sold on the product. Um, so, so if you can identify a company is buying your product and passing it on to their client already, that's kind of, you have an unspoken partnership already. You yeah. might yeah. build on that. Yeah. Um, typically the way I go about it is I'm like, you're already, you're already referring, like you might as well access the benefits of being like an officially enrolled partner. And that's not even, that's not even like a pitch. Like it's true. Right. Um, say, let us help you do that more. This is business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so those types of partnerships are always really easy to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, when you're doing like more cold outreach, if someone isn't aware of your product, you kind of have to start from the beginning and you have to sell them on the product and then the partnership. Um, mm -hmm. So a little bit different there. I guess when we had trade shows <laughs> um, back, it feels like forever ago now, uh, that was probably a good spot also. <laughs> because when you're yeah. meeting people face to face, it's a lot easier to say, to get the conversation going. Oh yeah, I very much miss in-person events. Um, it's great for establishing partnerships. It's great for just building your network um, on behalf of your company. If you can meet someone who knows someone who could be a potential partner, you already have an in. Um, yeah. And partnerships happen a lot events. faster over a beer. <laughs> yeah, right? it's funny how that happens, right? Um, it's like, wow, we're yeah. best friends now because we had a couple of beers last night. Of course we're partners. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, it seems like, you know, you kind of need a little plan when you're going about developing partnerships, because it's like you've got these different tiers, you've got customers that, you know, use your product or, or even ones that use it and refer it, you know, you've got referrals that could refer you, you've got the cold, you know, the companies that you would go to, it seems like you need a little, you know, strategy to develop so that you can you know, start approaching these particular potential partnerships and get a pipeline of them. Is that, am I right? Yeah, definitely. There's, uh, especially if you're starting from scratch, you kind of have to figure out what you want to tackle first. Um, it's like building relationships as an individual. You kind of have to build a network and like generate some, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, basically generate some social capital uh, in your ecosystem. So you can't really just come out of the blue. Um, no one knows who you are, what you do, and expect people to jump to partner with you. Right. Um, 
really just building up some thought leadership and brand equity is going to be the best first step. On that thought, let's say you want to get some referral partners as an example. Um, And, uh, or, you know, referral affiliate, however you want to put it. Are there things to be, you get somebody, you're talking to them, they might be interested. Do you want to entice them initially with a really good deal or does that turn into problematic? You know, you're like, Hey, we'll give you this percentage of the referral initially just to get Mm -hmm. them up and running. Or does that cause more problems later? Or how, how do you approach that initial kind of making of, of the deal? And at what point do you have a, like a written signed agreement? Yeah. Yeah. So um, at Farmstack in particular, we actually offer a non-expiring monetary incentive. Um, we approach it as a reinvestment into the partnership. Um, so typically like that's, always a good option to lead with if someone's really entrepreneurial and is interested in you know receiving that referral kickback Um, on the other hand if someone is more agnostic so like we see this a lot in the consulting community they're very very focused on like client results they don't care what software it takes Um, they just want to provide the best solution at the best price for their client so you can kind of like tell who is leaning more on each side of the spectrum. And in the case of being more agnostic, you're gonna wanna lead with value and education. So rather than um, promoting the monetary benefits, you're gonna wanna promote how it's gonna make them better at their jobs and ultimately their clients' lives better. Got it. Right, we get that sometimes. We'll have partners loosely that um, we say, hey, we have clients that need what you provide. And so we'll refer them to you and you have clients who need, we, and so we refer both ways because it's good for our business. Like people come to us in order to do what they need to do with our data. They need someone else's service. And so, you know, we don't sell them to that person. We just pass them off. And then we have other partners that are more affiliate partner type situations, usually because it's more one direction, I I guess Mm -hmm. you'd say. It seems like there are a ton of potential variables in a partner agreement. I mean, are you giving them a commission? How much of a commission on the deal? For how long? Um, you know, do they get it on the first deal only? What about other products and services of yours that that same person ends up becoming a client for? Do they own the client or do you own Are they referring it over or reselling to? It sounds like there are so many different variables. If somebody doesn't know how to do this stuff i mean is there somewhere they can go to learn this or are there partner consultants yeah keeping it with a particular template um in terms of partnerships let's see honestly like there's not a lot of folks in the like partnership space doing um a ton of like thought leadership on the topic um so in terms of trying to figure out what makes the most sense at least within the the software industry um so trying to figure out like what the best tactics are um definitely like consuming content um listening to podcasts like you know things like that i speak on podcasts or like at events um rip uh spoke about partnerships and how they're beneficial so um learning from someone who is a subject matter expert in uh, that particular function of business is probably a good place to start. It seems like the agreements can just be. Yeah. It seems like the agreements like for partnerships could have so many variables. You know, do you, um, does the company just say, this is what's going to work for us and stick to that. And anybody that doesn't fit within that, just doesn't become a partner, you know, like, cause mm-hmm. I agree. Let's look with at one guy. variable. Let's say the, if somebody's reselling your product or not even reselling, cause that's pretty obvious. They're referring business to you. Yeah. How long do you give them the referral fee or commission for if that's a reoccurring business? Do you say, Hey, you get the first sale, you get the first 12 months of sales. You get all this part of all the sales forever. Mm-hmm. It might depend on the product. Maybe if it's a software as a service, it's really easy to every month that person's a client push off to them. But why, if the first year of sales is going to give the same 
incentive to them to bring clients in. Also, you, then you get the problem of people bringing clients in and once they build up a good base of clients, they stop working because now they have a regular reoccurring revenue coming in. I'm so you're not sure getting anything more from them. So why keep them on? So it seems like it should expire. That, that's the kind of variables I guess I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of. If this seems like the structure is done slightly wrong, you'll either disincentivize your partners eventually or disincentivize them from even becoming partners. Or with, are we making little details? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, at Formstack, we don't have those kinds of stipulations. Um, if we feel like the relationship is not paying dividends as it once was, we have re-engagement strategies um, to try and promote uh, success for that partner. What We're about disengagement like... strategies? Do you ever say you're just not working out anymore? It's not me, it's um, you. This is over. <laughs> like, honestly, we're not going to turn anyone down if they want to refer people to us. Um, I know you have really to say point. that. You have to say that, but nobody's listening here. It's no, just us. I think that's you a really me. good point. If somebody's going to refer yeah. to you, if they're going to refer right. a few times compared to a lot of times, I think I'd take it all. Yeah. It depends I guess, on the business as well, because like in software, like you have a super broad customer base um, yeah. and the cost of customer acquisition is typically smaller. So you can actually afford to take on people who may not necessarily have the highest lifetime value. Um, whereas with services businesses, a lot of times um, the cost of acquiring that customer is so high that you have to be selective in who you choose to work with because mm -hmm. that contract value may, you know, be considerably less than what you paid to actually retain them. I guess that I'm looking sense. at a scenario where let's say somebody brings on a company and it's worth a thousand dollars a month to you and they're getting a 10% commission on it. So they're getting a hundred dollars a month off that. And they do that a couple times. And then they stop bringing on anybody new. They stop referring anybody. Now they brought on 10 companies. You're paying them $1,000 a month, but they haven't brought on a new company for two years now. So they're basically just squatting on their previous referrals, their previous partner stuff. At what point do you say, this person's not doing any work for us anymore? They're not a, they're not a partner. They're just still feeding off their previous referrals, the, the, the previous business they brought us and, and cut them off. Or, or do you say, hey, if you ever bring us somebody, we're we're just going to. Well, or does the partnership agreement ever expire and need to be re renewed? Yeah. So again, like as long as that customer is paying us, we are happy to pay out our discount or our referral percentage back. You're just um, a nice company, Sky. You're not, <laughs> not well, going to get your answer. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you seem too nice. I sit here and I think your you're not He's working for me anymore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we're no DocuSign or Conga, so <laughs> we won't kick you out of our program. Um, but like for us, our partnership tiers make sense financially um, enough for us to be able to do that. So especially again with software, like the types of companies who are doing that are typically um, you know, generating considerably less ARR. So we can afford to pay out 10% on, you know, small contract value. Whereas people who are doing larger implementations referring a lot of clients, um, in that case, it's going to be worth it to us in terms of the money that we fork out to ensure that that's a successful relationship. Um, so you know, you're saying you guys are doing so well that you're like, we'll pay forever. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and, <laughs> you're know, nice. and you're nice. And you're nice. Really good, re like relational approach with their partners. It's like, you know what? Send us business, large or small. We're going to yeah. help you out. Oh no, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad idea. Obviously it's working great. I'm just asking the questions for the listeners so they can see is it, <laughs> is it or not yeah. like, I understand. Hey, somebody brings you business and that's going to be business for the rest of your, you know, for the next okay, hundred years. Great. Keep paying them out question. for the next hundred years. Um, what that's makes money they brought in successful partnership? Hmm. I, that's my question. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of stuff, but basically <laughs> like there's uh, a lot. Of stuff. <laughs> it's a like lot a relationship. There's a lot of ways it can go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but in short, like, not achieving mutual growth is an indicator that it's not working. Um, so one-sided growth or um, lack of growth from both sides. 
um, having different goals and making sure that you're actually working toward the same thing. So for example, um, if you're a software company, you know, moving upstream, you're targeting primarily enterprise level companies and you're partnered with a small consultancy who really specializes in like SMBs, that alignment isn't there anymore. Even if maybe you started out downstream a bit more and it was a better fit, um, you know, you have to make sure that your future plans align, um, especially like your product roadmap if you're um, a product company. So if that, that partner is- that your job to like assess that as it goes along? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, like we're, these types of changes happen slowly. So they're very incremental, obviously. Um, we know, you know, what types of partners we're going to invest more energy and resources into because they've had the highest return for us. And we know, you know, the types of partners that maybe have been less successful and we're going to just like let that strategy kind of coast and run its course, but we're not going to actively seek out those kinds of relationships. It reminds me of office space. You're like, we'll just let it work itself out. <laughs> we're not going to have a conference call with them every week just let it work itself so basically you'll have partners that start off on the top of the 80 20 um area and eventually because of product shifts either on their side or your side they end up on the bottom of the 80 80 20 area but if it's not a high maintenance partnership for some bizarre reason there's no there's no need to cut them off really um yeah but, yeah. Okay. yeah certainly like you know at some point you have to to have some rules and some restriction in terms of like, especially if you're like a smaller team, um, who you can invest your limited amount of time and resources into. And in that case, like there's implementation of like different partner tiers, for example. So that's kind of what we have. We have three different tiers and it's based on uh, monthly referred revenue. So the more business you're doing um, with Formstack, the higher level of support and benefit you're going to get. That makes total sense. Right. So you've got then, packages or tiers or whatever. We listed <laughs> off a handful of different types of partnerships at the beginning, but just for the listeners, I wanted to kind of um, clarify here what we've been talking about uh, really um, the type of partnerships when we're saying partner here are referral value-added reseller, reseller, maybe a little bit affiliate type of relationships, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I would also add like activity-based partnerships like related to marketing. So something that's not necessarily has like a monetary link. So co-marketing type stuff? Yeah. Okay. I was just about to ask that. Yes. I love co-marketing. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's yeah. a marketing podcast, so that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, okay, great. I've got a, a good episode. I've got a lot of stuff to dig into uh, in the second half here, but let's take a quick break and uh, get over to get over the second half. You're listening to the Ify Market podcast. We've got Amanda Nielsen. She is the apartment enrollment manager at Formstack, and we're talking about what else partnerships. We'll be right back. Is your CRM making your business grow? When surveyed, about 90% of business leaders admit that their CRM isn't. And the most common cause for that is that salespeople don't use their CRM the way they should. Why not, you would ask? It just takes them too much time and discipline to fill out their CRM completely. And if they don't, then the CRM becomes useless. When we started Salesflare, we asked ourselves, what if we build a CRM system that fills out itself? What if we build a system that surfaces existing data so, so that you know and remember all about your customers and never forget and disappoint another lead? That's what Salesflare does today. It pulls in all the data buried in your emails, your email signatures, calendar, phone, social data, company databases, email, web tracking, and it offers to you in an easy way so you and your CRM are always up to date. Want to see this for yourself? Just head to salesflare.com and get your free trial. Welcome back to the If You Market podcast. We've got Amanda Nielsen, the partner enrollment manager over at Formstack, talking about partnerships. Amanda, we've talked a lot about partnerships so far, um, how they work, how to make them work, how to get partnerships, all that kind of stuff. But we haven't talked about you and Formstack yet. Can you uh, give us a quick 
kind of what's who what's Formstack? What do you guys do over there? What do you do over there? And who is Amanda Nielsen? <laughs> sure. We know she's um, a dog lover. Yeah, that's pretty much all you need to know, honestly. Um, so Formstack is a platform for productivity, uh, obviously including forms first and foremost. Um, but since it's been around, we've also added other features like document generation and e-signature, um, among a few other different things for automation, workflow functionality, things like that. Um, so basically we help companies process data and put it to work. Um, we have a very wide spread of verticals that we specialize in, basically anything where you need to capture a lot of data. There's really long, tedious forms, um, basically just all the boring stuff about business that's typically done um, in a physical manner. So you go to the doctor's office, you fill out a form. Um, You're not talking you about know. forms like on a, uh, our, our listeners, when they hear forms, they probably think a website form to fill out, to sign up for a webinar or something like that. You're talking about kind of internal business forms. So either. Okay. So you can use forms for internal data processing um, or for external data collection. Um, so those are kind of like the two primary yeah, that's badass. Uh, ways it can I be like used. That. <laughs> that's badass. <Yeah. laughs> Anything yeah. where there's a blank field uh, that you enter something, that's where I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah, so cool. Um, but yeah, we basically help um, people digitize what would be a paper process, especially now in the middle of a pandemic. It's very, very we relevant. We probably even help them... Um, even better utilize a, a digital process of forms and so forth, right? Like there's a way. Yeah. If at one time it involved the clipboard, mm. now it's form stack. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, saving money, saving time, uh, preserving data integrity. Um, you're not doing, you know, manual copying and pasting into spreadsheets, things like that, where things can get missed um, due to human error. So it's really just an all around great move considering that the whole world is digital at this point um it's crazy some of the biggest businesses are still running off of excel so and true. i'm always like <laughs> amazed to find out some of our very big clients still have you know antiquated processes but they're all getting right. enough right yeah so is, is part of your mission to like uh get rid of all data entry jobs um, <laughs> they can still no, find another job somewhere else, but it yeah. seems like data entry, like fill the form out directly, have it go into a database, have it be. So the thought process there is not get rid of, but repurpose for something that you can't automate. Um, right. There are certain skills that take a real person and they pretty much always will. And so in that case, you don't have to pay for, you know, the lower level tasks that can be done through automation tools. Instead, you can put uh, that time and resource into something uh, maybe non-tangible. Right. Human brains are amazing. Those, some of those tasks are way too basic to be wasting a human on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's Formstack. Now, what about you? What do you do? We, I mean, we know you're involved in partnerships, but can you give us a basic day-to-day -day for you there? Yeah. Um, so I work with enrolling our partners. Um, so... <laughs> I do a, a lot of other things as well. Uh, we're a seven person partner team. So I manage acquisition and enrollment. I have a colleague who manages enablement and certification of products. Um, and then we have an ongoing partner growth manager who maintains those relationships moving forward and re-engages and, and so on. We have our VP of Marketing, Zach, who oversees everything. And then we have Gabe, who directs our technology partnerships. So uh, integrations and things like that. And then JP, um, who specializes in our e-signature product and all of the partnerships related to that tool specifically. So you've got a good so. partnership team. <laughs> when you're saying partnerships there, you're talking about kind of resellers, affiliates, referral partners. Yeah. So we have technology partners and we have consulting partners or service partners. Um, so technology refers to people who uh, are selling a product. So either they want to integrate their product with Formstack mm. or they want to recommend Formstack in tandem with their product. Um, basically 
that's how we classify our technology partners. It could be a referral relationship. It could be resellers, different ways to do it. Um, so someone who provides a, a physical digital thing. Uh, on the other hand, we have our services partners. So people who are providing um, basically human expertise, like strategy and implementation. Um, so a lot of CRM consultants, marketing agencies, um, different like associations, uh, things like that. So in that case, those relationships are focused on, you know, enabling um, consultants, whoever's providing that service to use Formstack on behalf of their client and use Basically, it they need They need their product because their client needs your product. So them being very familiar with it allows them to sell a lot more of your product versus another similar, but I'm sure not as good product. <laughs> Certainly. Okay. Um, makes sense. Uh, let's jump back around to the partnership stuff. I think KJ, right before the break, um, you had wanted to get more into the co-marketing partnerships. Yeah. Is co-marketing a part of your, um, you know, partnership agreements and um, tell us about that. And when is a good time for, you know, a company to bring that up that's, you know, offering or getting into partnerships right away? Yeah, um, it depends. So co-marketing activities are great because they don't cost money typically. Um, you can do a lot without having to get finance involved, which is a great way to establish relationships. Um, Typically, especially if you're just starting out, I recommend co-marketing activities as like a, a baby step toward an eventual referral or reseller partnership. Um, it's just a really good way to build your network, um, get better content. So, you know, you're bringing in a subject matter expert from a whole other company and they're making your content that much better and vice versa. Um, so example, that's a great way. Um, we did a co-marketing uh, thing one time where for a trade show, again, remember those? Um, having a booth, we said, hey, let's get more booth and let's partner with this company because we're such a natural fit. And mm -hmm. so we can operate out of a single booth and it would be a better experience for the people than each of us separately somewhere at the trade show. Uh, so we found typically the co-marketing, yes, sometimes it's like you've got the chocolate and we've got the peanut butter and we can put them together. It doesn't cost us anything more and we have more than we did separate. Um, but sometimes also it's, it's just, it's a better fit for the customer to see you together. Um, yeah. Type of a thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, the latter point there of it just being more effective for the customer is really like what should be your priority um, in establishing these relationships and determining how to engage with partners. Um, you want to, keep the customer and their experience at the center of everything that you do um, in terms of your decision-making. Yeah. And I, so on the flip side, if your co-marketing is going to give a worse experience for the customer, that's probably one of those uh, <laughs> yeah, ways you can go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Even if it yeah, saves you money, ideal. like it's a bad idea. Yes, I would yeah. definitely say so. Okay. Um, anything else? Because I know co-marketing, we could make a whole episode or two just <laughs> on could. that. So I don't want to start digging in the rabbit hole, but is there anything else kind of on the surface of co-marketing um, that, that, that you want to throw out there? Sure. Uh, I think, again, co-marketing is super broad. It doesn't necessarily just apply to, you know, uh, hosting a booth together at a trade show. It could be as simple as tagging each other on social media, um, incorporating a partner's content into your strategy um, in hopes that they'll return the favor. Could be co-hosting a webinar together and doing a lead share, something like non-monetary incentive-wise. AJ, we co-market. We co-market. Because we're on the podcast together all the time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we co-market, um, yeah. Basically yeah. anything where you, where you do a little quid pro quo almost of marketing. Hey, we'll do, you'll do this. We'll do that to help mm -hmm. promote each other or whether it's together or just simultaneously saying, let's like each other's tweets. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So yeah, and another big part of that is going to be community. Um, I really believe in community building and expanding uh, your network on behalf of your company. So, you know, your industry becoming like a thought leader and being able to create brand recognition because of who you know and um, the relationships that you've built on behalf of your company can be really important. It's another good podcast to have, Sky, on community building. Thank you. Oh, so many good podcasts. Community <laughs> building, make the notes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a really good point, Amanda. Um, so let's jump, let's leave the co-marketing in the rear view, because again, it's too broad of a subject, and jump <laughs> back to the partnerships, the other types of partnerships. Um, for you guys at Formstack, what do you do to support your partners? Other than obviously, usually you're paying them money if you're making money um, off of them. Um, what, what kind of support structure do you have for them? I know we talked earlier about how if they're not bringing much in, you know, as long as they're not being a burden and taking up a bunch of your time. So you want to have a support structure, but it can't be we have a, you know, a two hour conference call every week because they might not be worth two hours a week. <laughs> so what do you guys do to support them and how do you manage that? Yeah. Um, so in those cases, the people who are, you know, not very engaged typically don't come to us and ask for a two hour conference call or anything like that. Um, some relationships are a lot more independent. So we have people who choose to never really engage with the partner team and they just want to use Formstack as a solution for their clients and get a payout. Um, on the other hand, we have some people who see tremendous value in the opportunity to do co-selling or uh, solution support. So they'll bring Formstack in, um, you know, into their deal with their client and use cross-functional resources on behalf of the partner team. Um, to help create that experience uh, for their customer and ultimately a better solution. So it depends on the preference of the partner. Um, it also probably depends on the service or product itself and the most common yeah. questions that your partners would have or issues that they con you know, consistently yeah. with, right? Again, there are yeah. so many potential variables. Like for every partner <laughs> you have, do you have a form stack form with all the variables and how they fit in? And like, God, this guy is really into this today. Um, <laughs> like a lead score type of thing. Right. Just like what kind of partner are, are they on auto, uh, you know, yeah. autopilot? Um, do you have that hour of a week meeting? Do you need to check in once a year? Yeah, um, so we do have different um, benefits at different tiers. So again, like that's based on monthly referred revenue. Um, so the standing meeting with our partner growth manager, you know, that's going to be a priority partner who is doing a lot of work with us and yeah. wants to engage. Um, so it really like the benefits go hand in hand with what the client actually or the partner is asking for. So and that really like just comes, obviously with you guys, you've done it for so many partners that comes over time of really knowing, okay, these guys typically get this, these guys get this. So then you put it in your benefit package as far as yeah. the different tiers, right? So it seems like yep. the key metric is how much money are they bringing in? And then you would have almost a partnership persona attached to each, each level. And then the amount of interaction or, or whatever is, is kind of based on, on that. Uh, Certainly. Like, what level are you at? I mean, I know some companies will have like, oh, this guy's a diamond partner and this one's a gold partner and this one's a balsa wood partner. Um, <laughs> do you have different like named tiers of, of partnerships or is it very kind gold, of loose and, and everybody is a yeah. one-off structure? No, we do have specific partnership tiers, um, bronze, silver, and gold, and they have different benefit um, access within each one. They're not necessarily like hard and fast rules. Um, like we're not super, super sticklers. Like if someone is in a lower tier, but they have a huge opportunity and they need support, we're not going to say, you know, sorry, you're on your own. Um, we definitely really do our best to support everyone as much as we can. Otherwise it's not really a partnership, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't even really like, like we really believe in like, seeing it as a community um, rather than a revenue channel, even though obviously revenue is at the center of everything that you're going to do in business. Um, 
we really do focus on like the intangible relationship building because there's a lot of equity in that. Right. If I buy donuts from Costco and sell them on the street, I'm a reseller. But if I partner with Costco, I expect a little give and take. Then I'm a yeah. reseller partner. Yeah. Okay. Know. So yeah, that's where the partnership <laughs> word comes in. A bad analogy with Costco donuts, but um, <laughs> the partnership word really means that they're not just on their own. No yeah. Matter. That's why you, I mean, you guys have a pretty substantial team just for managing partnerships. Yeah. It's, I, I'm finding out there's a lot more moving parts to this than I thought, even though I thought there was way too many moving parts. Oh yeah. There's a, I also manage a lot of the operational um, stuff behind the scenes. So how do we track who is referring and how much did they refer? That's like a whole other podcast. Um, partnership ops is a wild west for sure. It seems like so much of this is a wild west, which is kind of nice because that means you can do whatever you want. But well, you yeah. can really develop it and build it for sure. I mean, also, like, benchmarks. How do you? There's no basic standard mm-hmm. like do this, don't do that. Everything is, hey, if it makes sense, give it a shot. Um, I want to get into <laughs> some fun questions. We're getting close to the end here. What's the worst thing a partner's ever done? Yeah. Hmm. You don't have to mention them by name. It'd be good if you did, but no. <laughs> um. <clears throat> I haven't had like a partner who's actually an engaged partner do anything super horrible. I did have a prospective partner call um, where I was, it was like some CTO of like a smaller company. He was very, very knowledgeable. Um, And we were like 10 minutes into the call and he starts to ask me about APIs and um, he cut me off like mid explanation and said, I've had enough. Thank you. And hung up on the call. Um, so that was not very nice, but he wasn't a partner. So <laughs> I'm going to go by yeah, people who do terrible yeah. things. Don't make it into the partnership tiers. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. There's definitely a spread of um, personas and just like personality types that I get to talk to um, because we work with so many different types of partners. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. Sometimes you run into people and you're like, wow, there really are people like that. I thought it was just in movies. <laughs> There's yeah. people like that in real life. How do they get along? How do they make it? Right. <laughs> they must be really good at their job. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, KJ, anything else you want to throw at her before we uh, wrap it up here? I don't think so. Oh, I have one last thing, Amanda. Also, I heard there's a good story around your job and how you got the job you're working at currently. Yeah, Um, it's funny. So my previous role was at an agency managing partnerships with software companies. Now I work at a software company managing partnerships with agencies and consultants. Um, So I basically got to flip-flop, which has been really cool and added a lot of uh, valuable perspective to my role now. the way I came into Formstack was actually through my previous role. So we worked with a company called Bedrock Data and they were a client of Newbury, which was the agency I worked at for a long time. Um, and a couple years down the line, Bedrock Data was acquired by Formstack um, and their VP of marketing, Zach Pines, took on the VP of partnerships role for us and really built out the partner program along with Gabe, our uh, director of tech partnerships and built it from the ground up. So I had this like kind of like strange connection to Zach. I never did client facing work when I was at the agency. I was doing all external marketing on behalf of the agency. So, you know, just through social media um, and attending events and things like that, we knew of each other. Um, and so when I was on the job hunt, I was like, oh, hey, Zach. Um, <laughs> he's like, wow, you're looking for a job. And then it kind of just made a lot of sense from there. So yeah, another really great example of just how community, being engaged in your community, um, thought leadership, things like that can really help you get a leg up. Yeah, it's a really good example. I guess I, I was wondering, occasionally you hear the one where it's uh, and we get this here all the time, sometimes when salespeople are looking for a raise, um, where they're constantly getting pitched when they're on calls with 
So I was, I was imagining in your old company, you were dealing with Formstack and eventually the person at Formstack said, you're really good. Yeah. <laughs> you come and work for us. So we get that. So our better salespeople, the people they're talking to all the time will be like, you're really good at sales. Do you want a different job? You want to come work for us? Please come work for us. <laughs> oh yeah. That definitely um, happens. Not to me specifically, yep. but. Here's okay. your dog again. Yeah. He's shaking. Yep. He says, take me out. <laughs> if you can judge a person by what dogs they pet at the dog park, from what I've heard, Amanda Nielsen pets them all. Yeah. So. <laughs> that is absolutely 100% true. I would never turn down any dog. That's awesome. Fantastic. That's all awesome. right. Well, this is, this has been great. Amanda, one last thing yeah. chance for you. Is there anything we've left out that you want to mention about partnerships? Um, not off the top of my head, as you know, it's a, a very job. broad topic. I don't, I think I would probably end up rambling for another 20 minutes, but, um, yeah, definitely love to connect with everyone, um, in the B2B community. If you're interested in partnerships, um, I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, follow me there, reach out, anything really, or send dog pictures. That's fine too. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> if you want to break the ice and let her know it's not a sales pitch, send a dog picture. Exactly. And now, Thanks see, now I'm going to have to, anybody who reaches out to you from this podcast and doesn't send a dog picture is blue. Yeah. Totally. Blue. Yeah. yeah. Um, didn't even listen. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'd say if you have more questions about partnerships, um, feel free to reach out to Amanda on LinkedIn. As she mentioned, she's there. Her company, Amanda Nielsen, N I E L S E N. It'll yes. be in the show notes as yep. well. Um, <laughs> also, check out Formstack, formstack.com. And um, yeah, all in the show notes at ifyoumarket.com. And uh, please share this podcast. Uh, share us on social media. You know, if you listen to the episodes you, and you like the content you're getting, let, uh, let some other people know. Help build that community out there. And um, on behalf of Carla Joe Helms and the If You Market team and Amanda Nielsen of Formstack, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it. With partnerships. With partnerships, <laughs> they will come. If you're not always on the lookout for new data sources for your sales and marketing, you're just not doing your job. I've got great news for you, though. You can go to topdatasearch.com, sign up for a free Top Data Search account, and use promo code IYM500 to get 500 contact download credits. Again, that's topdatasearch.com and promo code IYM500. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.